Hello, everyone, friends, family. Welcome new. Welcome. My name is Gilebukhile. I'm here with the incredible co-hostess, Osimunde. Say hi to the girlies and the boys. Hello, everybody. My name is My Lady. You know, the other half of Conversations in Suburbia podcast. Yeah. So... We're back at season two with, you know what, I'm not going to say more mature topics because you know what, we might just digress and talk about like or buys again, but it's okay. This is anything and everything goes. So, but this week's topic is a bit grown, proud of myself and Naledi for actually wanting to talk about this, you know? What do you think about identity? Yes, identity. Our topic, our subject for this lovely week. Um, it has really grown, man. Um, so shall I start with the definition first and then I'll tell you what I think about it just so people have like proper context, okay? Go ahead, babes. All right, so identity is the qualities, beliefs, personality, looks, and or expressions that make a person or group. One can regard the awareness and the categorizing of identity as positive or as destructive. A psychological identity relates to self-image, self-esteem, and individuality. So for me, identity is literally what they said, but in summary, who I am and yeah that's my definition it's really simple straightforward what's identity to you yeah I agree like it's who are you as a person as an individual who are you as part of a group who who are you as a group in a society just you you get like small to big to bigger to biggest um that's what identity is to me um also coming about this whole identity topic because of social media i won't lie um we were looking at my screen time my twitter screen time on sunday (laughs) and that lady was like girl and i was like girl i don't even remember (laughs) half of what i saw on the screen but because there's so much information, so many people's opinions, so many people's cultures, so many people's languages, like it's a melting pot. Um, so sometimes you just get lost in who am I as Gile? What are my thoughts about things? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that's how it came about for me. Um, that's that's just what led me down the rabbit hole of identity. Not like the rabbit hole that your girl and my lady went down, but, you know, that's a story for another day. Yeah. You know? Mm. Um, so do you think that identity is stagnant? Like, is it, is it not stagnant, is stationary? Uh, mm. No, I think, well, for me, yeah. 
identity is something that you know you create and because life is a really long journey okay not for everybody okay that got morbid but <laughs> it's it's a journey and journeys are most of the time long and filled with a lot of trials tribulations all those things and so i think the way that i look at my journey it's ever changing that sounds like a mess right but obviously the core of who i am most of the time is the same but who i identify as is constantly growing for other people it may not be the same thing for some people they're fine with just believing that the grass is green you know what i mean i'm one that says okay the grass is green but when it's in the sun it looks more of a light green when it's in the shade it's more of a dark green you get what i'm saying so for me it's not stagnant uh because i'm always trying to just apart from being the best version of myself but i'm always trying to think and be different you know what i mean like i don't like the same thing every time it gets boring for me so that's why for me i wouldn't say it's stagnant but changing for you um i think that like you said life is long let's not get to the morbidity of that but <laughs> life is long and it's such you as a person you come across things and you have to adapt you know sink or swim and for myself personally i think um my identity has changed from from who i was zero to ten to ten and a half eleven uh, my identity changed after that and then from that 11 years to 14 it changed like some of the things were kept but it changed um 14 to 18 like I had different phases where I had to build like break down some of the things and get rid of them but build on top of that so um I think identity is dynamic because also with with identity there's a lot influencing it like your traditions your cultures your beliefs your religion your social group your you know so it's 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 always moving like i hope nobody's regret nobody's moving backwards Hmm. but it's always moving like it's all over the place you know Hmm. not over all over the place like a mess but it's all over the place like I'd like to think that nobody is one thing. Like they're just one, like a piece of paper, a piece of white paper. I'm hoping that there's glitter and there's paint and there's pastel and there's pencil and there's pen on that art surface that is your identity, you know? Hmm. Um, yeah, that's, at least for me, yeah. so much glitter, so much black paint. Oh my god, it is such a beautiful creation. Mm. Um, yeah, like that's that's what I think about it. it. It's it's not it's it's ever moving, never staying still. Um, I should think that the day it stops moving is the day I die. Yeah, yeah. You know? 
So that's what I think about identity and it's the creature that is identity. Mm-hmm. Um, so that being said, do you think that your identity can be influenced so much by other people that, yeah, it can be influenced like greatly by other people? Yeah, I think that comes in with, you know, people that have role models, for example. Um, You look at how they live and what they identify as. And, you know, sometimes you uh, take that in. And like you said, depending on which phase you're at in your life, you'll either keep that forever as part of who you are or you'll grow out of it. You know what I mean? But uh, for me... It's kind of tricky because to be honest, I never really had a role model, you know, like whenever we're at school, you know, you know, those like arts and culture um, lessons where they'd be like, okay, you must do something on your role model. People be so deep. People be like, my mom, people be like, you know what I mean? So I was actually like really stressed because I was like, who is my role model? I don't look at my parents as my role models. I look at my parents as mom and dad. You know what I mean? That sounds kind of sad or whack, but that's just how I see them. And also, I think the pressure with having uh, a role model or someone you look up to or someone that influences you so heavy is because it's tricky because that's a person at the end of the day and they can mess up and, you know, there's all those dynamics. But yeah, I was stressed and I just chose Beyonce because, you know, she's Beyonce. But yeah, man, I don't know. It just, it can be. But for me, I go through changes. But I also don't think that I get influenced as you see influence is such a tricky word because I don't think I'm easily influenced like it takes a minute for me to be influenced by other people but I think yeah I guess um yeah I guess I can be influenced by other people but most of the time I try to make my own conclusions from what I've been, a quotes, influenced by. You get me? Yeah. Um, you can be influenced. I'd like to say that, okay, let me not say I'd like to. Like, you can be influenced by other people. Your identity can be influenced by people. Like, our identities, our first identities are mm-hmm. taken from socialization, which is taken from home training Mm. and school and friends that's how we're we're molded a bit but i don't want to i don't want with with that comes with don't Mm. don't be influenced so much that you're not your own person that you're just your identity when people think of you okay let me just say this and then i will explain what i mean don't be so influenced that when people think of you, all they all they think mm. of is another person. But also that happens when you're always with another person. I feel like in our friendship, when people ask, they're like, "Oh, do you know of um, maybe you know?" Because I find that I most of um my identity is around my friends. 
So people will be like, oh, do you know Felix? And they're like, oh, my lady's friend, you know? Or, oh, Lindo's friend. And I don't mind that because I'm a, like, I'm proud to be friends with my friends because, hello, girlies are doing the most. But that happens because people don't know you, which is different from when people know you. But all they can say is, oh, her personality is so much, so, so much like my lady's, you know? That's where it's like, uh, uh, that being I just think with yeah. that one, I think we also have to keep in mind that also the more you spend time with people, the more you kind of act like them. And so I think that's more of a mannerism thing than really an identity thing. But I also get what you're saying because there are people that, you know, you guys have like the same identity. So that is a bit of a problem. But just for people that are listening and get that a lot saying that because, you know, for example, my cousin and I, you know what I mean? When we're, because we don't spend as much time as we did when we're younger, but, you know, we'd speak the same and things like that. And it's not necessarily because I didn't have my own identity. It's just that, you know what I'm saying? When you spend time with people, you start to speak like them and things like that. So just, just adding that in the mix. You may continue. Yeah, yeah. No, totally, I get that because that was. <laughs> That was my cousins and I. We were mm. a trio. There was no place one would go that the other two don't go, except for school, because they're siblings, obviously. They're siblings, and I'm their cousin. So, obviously, I went to another school. They went to another school. But always, when, when people thought of us, they thought of us as a trio, which now it kind of annoys me because we're not like that anymore. And people are like, how are your cousins? And I'm like, I don't know. And people are like, that's so weird, Kele. Why would you say that? I'm like, Matamamudisan. <laughs> I don't know, you know? But, um, yeah, that's that's the thing. Like, we, we all had our identities. We were all different. We were all like, it was it was sunshine, partly cloudy, and doom. We can just, you know who the doom is. So, um yeah that that was us um that being said this brings me to how do you stop yourself from copying another person's life i think i think i think personally with that it's just remembering that you have your own things that you like you know and as you see the couples i've seen with couples they start couples start Mm. looking alike and you're just like wait a damn minute, wait a damn minute. But um, the key to that is recognizing okay, we're two different people. As much as we'd like to be one, we're two different people. We have things that the other might not like. Um, we, we might share a lot, but there are things that are different and that's okay. That It's just keeping in mind that as much as we'd like to be one, <laughs> We can never mm. be. Yeah, that's how I think I keep from um, copying my my friend's identity and my brother's identity because those are the people mm. that I'm with a lot. Um, I have a lot of my brother. I have a lot of friends, but I'm different from my brother. Um, for me, I think uh, having time to yourself and you know 
looking into and exploring and just, you know, enjoying your own talents and gifts, you know, because I know that with me, a lot of the time I would like merge my life and with my partner's lives, right? And that's most of the time, like what I realized is because I didn't allow myself time for me to just remember that I am my own person. I have the, my own things that I like to do and things like that. So I think when you make time for yourself and you're not just watching YouTube videos or you're not just watching series, you know what I mean? You're actually having time to yourself where you enjoy your own company. I think that's how you also remember not to be part of that person. And that's not to say that obviously you don't enjoy the things your partner does and things like that. But just the thing to remember that, because also sometimes in a situation like that with friends, with partners, whatever, sometimes, you know, just let your partner have one, some things, you get me? Like, it's really cute to, you know, be invested in the fact that Gile is a Chelsea fan and it's really cute to know the starting 11 of Chelsea. But also that's Gile's thing, you know what I mean? And you can show interest without making it your thing. You get me? So, yeah, that's one thing, apart from everything that you said, because I agree with that. Period. Okay, mm -hmm. so with that, goes hand in hand with projecting, like projecting your own thoughts and assumptions on someone's identity, just because you... Um, you see a person, they look like this, and then you assume a lot about their identity. And I feel like a mm. lot of us do this, especially on social media. You can't, you don't really get the chance to get to know a person, you know, unless you're really paying attention, um, which I should stop doing because I realize that I, I seem like I'm a stalker to people. And I don't mean to stalk you. I just, I pay too much attention, pay, you know, um, we 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 project our own thoughts and assumptions about who people are based on that little sliver mm -hmm. of things that they show us. Um, so how how do for myself how do I stop myself? I pay attention. How do you st stop yourself from doing that? Um, just projecting sorry. it and things. Um, I think I try to. Apart from observing them and just sitting quiet, because I don't normally like project to like people I don't know, because that's hella weird. I don't know why people do that, but you know what I mean? Most of the time, if it's something, a lot of time, if it's something that I don't understand, I try my best to get knowledge about that thing. You know what I mean? And also, instead of projecting, I'll maybe say, ask you a question so that I can understand your point of view then i mean if it's a conversation then converse about it and say what i don't understand blah blah blah, blah. but yeah i don't think i'm a person that likes to actually let me not lie let me not lie i project let me not lie but <laughs> that's that i try not to make that my first instinct i try to gather information first then not project but then conversate with the person you know what i mean because i think it's just really weird to just uh, on someone you know but it's funny because on dating apps, that's kind of like what happens. Is 
on a four line bio, well, mine is four lines. Don't ask me what I'm doing on a dating bio. Dating is hard. Okay. Okay. Leave me. Um, but on a four line bio, you you can't okay, this person could actually be very interesting. Um but other than that, other than but then again you get to talk to the person and and figure them out, learn about them from them, which I love. Like, um, I think you, especially when you're dating, I think you should um, not allow other people to teach you about your person that you're interested in. Rather, let them teach you about them, you know, teach you about them. So learn mm -hmm. from them, you know, um, which I think if you can do that, you have mm. won half the battle, you know, because it mm. takes effort. But I think that also depends on the person because some people aren't in the mood to teach you about why they're feminists, you know. Some people aren't in the mood to teach you that. And also, I think it's also important rather than just waiting on someone to feed you because it can go back to the whole thing of like, I want to make it about race, but I'm black, so I'm going to make it about race. Um, the whole thing about, you know, when white people don't understand their privilege and things like that, and it can go back to say, it's like, okay, you can befriend black people and, you know, learn from them, which is, I don't think that's why you should befriend people to learn about their struggles, but, you know, that I think people can also look at it like that, and I have a problem with that because it's like, depending on the situation that you're in, for example, the privilege that we have, for example, we have access to the internet, blah, blah, blah. I think you can go out your way and find out information first so that when the person um, is explaining stuff and talking, you have some knowledge. So it doesn't just look like, oh, I'm a teacher and you're the student. You know what I mean? But I think it also depends on the, the, the topic that you're, that the person, you know what I'm saying? English. Yeah. No, with learning, with the learning thing, it doesn't necessarily mean that the person has to be standing at the chalkboard and it's like, one plus one is two, Bafundi. No, what I mean is you can, people teach you about themselves. They tell you about themselves without always saying things. So it's about paying attention to this person, putting in the effort to learn about this person, you know, because you don't, you don't want to be like dating a person for 10 years and okay, let me not use something frivolous. Let me say something frivolous that I think you should um, learn from a person. I think with people, like if you ask me my favorite color, I won't be able to tell you what it is because I don't know what it is. I, 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 I like colors so much. But if you learn about me, you, you can see where I'm leaning towards because I remember I asked you what my favorite color was and you were like purple and I was like, yeah, he knows and you're like yeah because that's always when you're doing your nails that's the color you choose I'm like you don't have to like, open it all like that you know but it's just it's 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 people will tell you about themselves without necessarily mm. like, using the word and it's up to you to learn to, to actually decide that hey look I want to learn um that being said also when someone says feminism, read the room as to why a person would mm. want to be a feminist. White mm -hmm. people, read the room as to why. 
your privilege is why you're privileged mm. number one read the room as to look we're different and you know just read something mm, or read true. the room kind of situation mm. no because the reason why i was just making those examples is because i was just tying it back to identity because i I could see that you're talking about the person within, you know what I mean? And not necessarily what they identify as. So I was just making that clarity. You understand what I mean? And that's all here. You, you get me. So yeah, that's that's why I was just I was just adding that little yeah. spice. No, I get you totally. Um but it also goes with identity, learning someone else's identity and not imposing yourself their identity. And what, okay, how do I phrase this question? Um, I feel like whenever we use the word identity, it kind of means that you're just one thing. You know what I mean? So like for you, what makes up somebody's identity? Um. Who okay? It's what you see yourself as. Obviously, who who are you? Um. With regards to how does your your culture, your your sexuality, your beliefs, how do they influence you into this person mm-hmm. that you are? You know how do they work together to mm. stitch this beautiful blanket that you have. Mm. You know? mm. That's what I did. That's why I'm like, you don't allow people to put, like, to add a raja when you already have a different flavor of raja in, you know, in your pot. So. Mm. Yeah, no, because I, I also view it as just like many, many little identities making up this whole person. This whole person. Also, okay, no, because I was about to say like our experiences. Yeah, our experiences make up make mm-hmm, our experiences make us who we are, which in return makes up our identity. Does that make sense? Is that what do you think about like? Is that proper English? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I understand like. For me, um, with okay, I'm gonna use this. I I really hate using this this thing. Like I really hate talking about this now, but it it is mm. such a big part of who I am. Like my father's passing has made me the person that I am. Has made me more cognizant of like life is very short. It's long, but it's short. Believe, um, it it has made me aware that. I need to plan. If if I'm going to have a family, I need to plan A, B, C. Because I saw the shortfalls that my parents' parents didn't do. Um, you, like, you see, so that has influenced me as a person. I'm a bit neurotic because I've seen what happens when certain things happen. So our experiences really do make up mm. our identity. Thanks for confirming. Thanks for sharing that really appreciate it okay so just 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 moving on to it's not really a light topic well I mean it depends how school was for you but um 
if you can just briefly summarize your phases of identity throughout school. So if you can remember preschool, preschool, primary, high school, and varsity, just like a quick summary of your identity, like the phases of who you were at those times. One thing I'll tell you, I've always been a big mouth. I've always been a big mouth. Always. Always. And with all being, you know, that's one thing that has stayed constant throughout. Um, in nursery school, you know, you're very innocent, very naive. I was very like my trust issues started in nursery school now that I look at it. But um I was all fingers in every pie because you know, that's what it is. You don't have a certain group of friends. You're friends with everybody. But, um, primary school, I was the worst in primary school. I was like, goody two-shoes teacher's kids. Prime. Prime. I was trying, also trying to be mm. white. Mm-hmm. 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 Um, when I look back at it, I'm rising. But it, it was just because um, with my own family, like my family isn't very traditional, like isn't very stern about tradition and things like that. Like our parents just allowed us to be who we were. So I think maybe my parents knew that I'd, I'd grow it. But I had this thing like, uh, not that I didn't want to be black, because honestly, I couldn't imagine not being black. It's just, if I was white, I'd have better hair. Just the stupid things about being white. Um, in high school, I had an identity crisis, because here I was coming from a very white school to a school that had more black students than I'd ever really? experienced in my life. Yeah, Bracken High was the most black people I'd ever gone to school which says a lot (laughs) which says a lot and it's not my fault but but that's where I experienced I was just like wait a damn minute wait a damn minute and that's where I started like being like oh oh god Um, it was bullying it was no motivation to go to school. Um, yeah. Um, and then in varsity, I think in the beginning I was very dormancy. But I'm seeing towards the end that, you know what, the world is what you make it. Um, people are only going to treat you how you how you put yourself out there to be. And I'm just like, I'm too damn amazing to be treated like the way people have been treating me, you know. So, but I've always been a big mouth. And I was always studying debates, political debates at that. In physics, guys. My physics teacher was like, what do you want to be one day? And I was like, I want to be a lawyer. She's like, nah, honey. You need to be doing something where you're debating. Look at me now. Yes. Thank you. Thank you, Mrs. Teran, for seeing me for who I really was. You knew I didn't belong in the physics class, but you accepted me anyway. Who was my lady in school? 
uh, I only know Nalidi from high school too. Who was Nalidi when she was a little, little, little? Little, uh, little, 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 dance i wanted to act i wanted to sing okay and i was doing those okay except for dancing dancing i was doing at home but singing i was like in a little choir even though i don't remember that but i saw the certificate but so i was there okay and <laughs> and um i did gymnastics you know what i mean like i was always in like school plays like i was that girly in in primary school like i was going to be creative you know what I'm saying? I was going to give Beyonce a run for her money. Yeah. So you were a brightness primary kid. <laughs> Interesting. Actually, actually. So, yeah, that was me in, in primary school. I was doing athletics, like, like 100 meters. Like, I was that girl. And then I got to grade one and everything just changed. I... Um, thingy. I stopped doing sports like I only picked up sports again in grade 2 like my motivation for life just kind of got drained like I you know the only time that I enjoyed myself to be honest though as a kid was probably school not that like you know home was bad but you know what I mean like you know the vibes you know what I mean my parents are loving people they're caring they, they're amazing parents you know but Hey, you know the dynamics. Hey, you know, I don't want to get into that, but just know that my parents are great people. Don't think that they, they're the worst, okay? But yeah, like I just felt like when I got to primary school, like, I don't know, just things changed. I felt like, I think it's because of, you know, white people. You know, when you see like white kids wanting to do the most and their parents are like, go get it, you know? And then with black people, your parents are just like, go to school. You know what I mean? For me, my hobbies, my parents just saw them as hobbies. I don't think they saw me being serious about it and actually making a career out of it. Because I wanted to model, my mom said no. I wanted to play soccer, my mom said no. And so I was just like, they would always be like, you're too smart for that, blah, blah, blah. And I'm just like, I don't care a damn. This is what I'm passionate about. This is what I want to do. And so because the people that I felt were supposed to be supporting me and doing all these things were not, I just felt like there was no point in doing anything. And so that's kind of how I was in primary school. I was doing things very secretly. So I was still doing some of my creative things, busy doing a little bit gymnastics, you know what I'm saying? In my room alone. I wasn't sharing it with anybody except for Lauren. Shout out, girl. Anyway, so yeah, like that was, Lauren was my, is still my girl, you know what I'm saying? But yeah, I think she's the only person that actually really knew who I was. The rest, nobody really knew me like that because that's what I was kind of hiding. You know what I mean? Sometimes those pieces of me would come out whenever we're doing like arts and culture and things like that. But other than that, I'll just go back to being, a quote, the smart kid. You get me. Then I got to high school. Oh, let me just say, by the end of grade seven, I was just over school and its structure and just every day seeing these same people. Like I was over it. Then got to grade eight. And I think the only reason why I made it through grade eight was because it was a change of scenery. You know what I mean? All these kids from Kenton and Brackenhurst were in the same place because you don't understand the Nepal girls from Brackenhurst and Kenton. Do you, do you... Anyway, so <laughs> I'm in the same space as them. And so it's really cool. Yeah. 
I really don't. I don't do sports at all. At all. Only mm. sports I did was bow. So. <laughs> yeah, so you know what I mean? So like we're just all in the same place. And so it was really interesting. Um, but who I was was still kind of the same person that I was in primary school, um, which was someone who... Like, I think that's why I don't know what I want to do with my life because what I thought I wanted to do, I like gave up on it, it quote, like halfway. And so I still carried that confusion that I don't know who I am. I don't know where I'm going type of situation. But to the outside, I looked like I had it together, you know, and that was kind of fine with me, but not really. But anyway, yeah, so that's where I was in high school. I still played sports. Sports for me was just a distraction to keep, every day from being the same you know what I mean because it just gets to you like every Monday of grade eight is the same every Tuesday of grade nine is that it's just like I'm going crazy so by the end of matric I was really just over school I was over everybody I was over my parents I was over school I was just I just wanted to leave and then I did and that's when we got to varsity so the beginning of varsity was a bit uh yeah I was not okay emotionally but I got it together and so yeah that's sorry yeah Yeah. like we were talking like for me that first year when everybody went to varsity and I was at home yo I was just like why did I do this to myself I'm grateful that I did but I was just like oh my god everybody looks like they're having so much fun they're being adults and my mama was just like look girl you're still a child in my house. And mm. I was like, okay. And I was talking to you and you made everything. Like, that's the thing that scares me about you is that you make everything seem so quiet. And even when you need support, if we're far away from you, we wouldn't know because you don't make it, you don't, mm. you know, <laughs> that gives me stress. Like, even... Even when I did start, like, figuring it out, it gave me stress how you were just like, no, I'm okay. And I'm just like, wow. I made you a little alcoholic. Don't say that on record, dog. Um, anyway, so, <laughs> so yeah, that was my, my, my beginning part of, of, of Varsity. But, yeah, Varsity was when I started really unpacking Oh, because I didn't remember, I didn't say Jesus, how Jesus played a role. So with like Christianity, which I think kind of makes up a big part of who I am, even though I don't follow it the way the followers follow it. But it's it's really like the core of my moral compass and stuff. Not to the the the, the full extent, you know what I mean? But it really is a part of who I am. And so when I got to varsity, um, yeah, my view on it was just ever-changing. I just... There was a lot of things that I was being introduced to for the first time, like these charismatic gerekes. I was just like, whoa, what is going on? But eventually, I just, like, up until right now, I decided that, you know, I have to be the one to create who God is to me. I have to be the one to create a system that helps me grow spiritually and things like that. So in terms of my identity with my spirituality, that's how we got here. And just who I am today... Yeah, I don't know. Like, I'm still growing. I'm still learning. But, yeah, I've, I've, I've grown a lot from the person that I was in varsity who was, 
not really sure who she was. I still don't know what I want to do with my life, 100%, but I kind of have an idea of who I am. So that's a win for me. So yeah, that's my story. You know what a story? <laughs> I like, I think when you're in varsity, that's when you discover you're like, hold on a damn minute. Hold on, hold on, hold on. This is who I am. I think for me, my biggest thing was I really my thing with some new with new people, I clam up and just keep those just silence, nothing. And you know, like when I first moved to Bloomington, my roommate didn't even know that I could speak. This is this is so true. And I was just like, it took me a month to talk mm. to me. So um, I realized that that's really not who I am. I, I have so many women. I have so many things. Mm. Um, I'm a no, like, I hate saying that I'm a know-it-all, but I am. <laughs> and I, if I know something about something, trust me, I want it to stay. Mm. Um, that's what I realized. Um, I'm probably going to come to many more realizations about myself. Mm. But I'm enjoying this this thing where I can just sit down and talk my feelings out and realize that, oh, look, you're this kind of person. You know? So I'm laughing. Laughing is Twenty-one-year-old mm-hmm. mission. <laughs> that being said, let us skip to. Let's move from personal identity, and move into group societal. Um, mm-hmm. Instead, we're going to tell you. Some of you might know this. Any of you? We're about to tell you. We're about to talk about the African identity and how the African identity changes according to listen to this your race of African identity alright so <clears throat> listen carefully a race is a grouping of humans based on shared physical or social qualities into categories generally viewed as distinct by society. The term was first used to refer to speakers of a common language and then to denote national affiliations. By the 17th century, the term began to refer to physical traits. So that's the race that's spoken about here is not the race that we as society view it as. Um, But I also saw that um, a lot of the time, because if you search like the five races of Africa, they're going to give you the ethnic groups. But what I saw is that the race that we're talking about, they like to also classify it as like racial ethno, was it ethno-racial groups? That's how they put it. So keep that in mind. Oh, and also ethnicity refers refers to shared culture such as language, ancestry, 
practices and beliefs. So just keep all those English definitions in mind as we blow your mind. We change your yes. So believe it or not, Africa has five races of black people. <laughs> now, you might have noticed, but you didn't know exactly that it's it's races. Also, I think that races in, in terms of Africa is stupid, but yeah, there are five races. Namely, my lady did the research as to where mm. they fall. I just know the names like roundabout. Um, namely, the Nilotic people, who are people from mostly southern Sudan. Um, they're the tallest people in the world, um, with women standing at average 1.8 meters and men doing 1.95 to 2 meters on average, which is like, hey, tall guys with chocolate <laughs> milk. Also, they have the dark skin tone. Um, they have the, not, let me not say dark because dark is horrible to say. They have the deepest skin tone of all people. Like their skin tones are like really, they're, they're very, you could, their skin almost looks like black, if you could say so. They're the true black people, even though that's horrible to say. But this is And then you get the Kushai people who, Annoying most other Africans. Why? They're always pointing out, oh, it's us, and then there's you. There are those people. Um, these are the peoples of East Africa, so you Somalia. Somalia. Mm, but they Somalia, Eritrea, Ethiopia's on the horn of Africa. Yes. Horn. Yeah. They're on the horn. Um, and then you get the pygmy people of Congo. They're the smallest people. Um, of all people, like in the world, they're the smallest people, not the smallest group, but the smallest size people. And then you get, oh yes, the pygmy people. They were, they were. I think they've been hunted out close to extinction, mm. and it's horrible that we actually have to use terms that we use for animals mm. for people. You know, um, but the pygmy people are almost extinct. Um, and then you get Khoisan. You get mm. the Khoisan? Yes, guys. Khoisan is a different black people. Um, I was also shocked, but they are. Um, and then you get the biggest group of people in Africa, the Bandu people. This is us, guys. Yes, this is everyone from about the bulge of Africa mm. all the way down to the tip at Cape of Good mm. Hope. Okay, That's, that is us, Bandu people. So I don't actually, I'll get to that. Um, yeah, am I missing Mm-mm. anyone? Those are the black people that you mentioned. Yeah, special shout out to special shout out to Cape Malay people, which is a race that is kind of engineered in South Africa because this is the only place where you'll find Cape Malay people um, and Cape Verdeans as well. Also the, the, the people in Madagascar. 
the people in Madagascar um, are also, it's kind of like the Cape Colors in South Africa where, you know, you have like a bunch of people just mixing and that sounds like food, but you get what I mean? To the point where they have their own distinct race. Because when you look at Madag- people from Madagascar, you can say they kind of fall under like people that look like the Horn of Africa, Abu Ethiopia and stuff like that. But when you compare them, they're very different. So they kind of like a whole, like the Cape Verde people and the Cape Colors and the Madagascans. Madagascans. What? Anyway. Yeah. Oh, I should look that up, actually. Let me write that down. Madagascar. And it, guys, she didn't even know that these things was happening yesterday. But it's fine. No, it's I'm fine. saying, Ankira, you were like, no, don't go down the wormhole. Look at the wormhole now. It's coming through. Yeah, no, you really went I down went the there. wormhole. Stop I went it. there. Um, so I, I touched pretty much where they are. I don't think you need to know, like, if you have questions about that, you can mm. ask us, um, you can interact with us at CIA, you know yeah, what it is, um, or you, or you can just Google it, but Google is just going to give you, like, I did say the ethnic parts of Africa, mm. which is another mix that's colonialism we need to talk we need to talk about that one day i'm ready one day not not because that's another world Mm. that's going to lead us Mm. Mm. um that being said do you know of any good or bad um things that the world says about africa uh Apart from Africa being a country, I mean, I, you know, people that have access to the internet, I'm, I just, anyway, yeah, them thinking that Africa is a country, um, I, don't know, I don't know if that's a bad thing or if that's just an ignorant thing, but yeah, the fact that we don't have infrastructure like they do in Europe and America, like we have, I mean, if you had to, I think, all the capital cities in Africa are pretty decent. Like, you know what I mean? Like, by pretty decent, I mean, like, you wouldn't... Uh, the only thing that will give it away is the many people there. <laughs> but, yeah, like, we're pretty developed. Not as developed as the Western, but you get me. Um, I may be wrong because there's gang countries on this continent. Um, I don't know, what else? Apart from the fact... Sorry, yeah? So yeah, yeah. Did you include South Sudan as fifty-four? Because it's fifty-five, including South. Is it fifty-four, including South Sudan? Okay. Um, what else? Apart from the like, we use animals as vehicles, I guess. Um, okay, but I think I'm just mentioning stereotypes. I guess the bad thing in Africa, I guess people that are part of the queer community, it's not. I mean, you have to really research the country before you get into it. I think, I don't know about how other countries are, but I know that we were the first country to uh, legalize same-sex unions. So I don't know how other countries, other African countries are doing now. It's bad in all the other Africa. It's bad in the African countries. 
Africa. I think South Africa is it's the, the, still the only one. Yeah, I think Uganda get Uganda's back. That man. Also, you can. Oh, oh, no. That's, oh no, no, no! Don't do it! Oh, no. Don't do it! Don't do it! Don't do it! Um, but yeah, I don't know. I I think you know what. To be honest, the only good thing about the identity that Europeans and Americans look at is really our culture, like the nice it quotes parts of our culture. So our attires, our dancing. Um, yeah, and you? That's all I can think of from the top of my head. The good and the bad. Uh, most of the most of the the, the the things that the world says about the African identity are stereotypes and horrible ones. Um, it's the starvation when, you know, Elon, Elon Musk and who's that guy with the Mbantla, that evil genius with the Mbantla, oh and that other evil genius those apps. Man, if they, if, they, if they gave like two billion each, they could solve world hunger. They could solve it. You know? But, I mean, it's their money. Um, it's the infrastructure thing. Like, I remember on Twitter, somebody in South Africa said something about American Twitter, and the American Twitter was like, I don't know why y'all talking. Y'all tweet from one computer. It's like, do you know where South Africa is, number one? Literally. Do you know where it is? Hmm. Um, I guess the good thing that's happening with the African identity is that people in the diaspora are there are more people in the diaspora but most of the people in the diaspora are in Europe so in you get people in the diaspora in like your America but now it's it's growing so people are being aware that as African people we are there are different African people different ethnicities um, different people different groups have different nuances you can't just focus all together um as much as the idea of wakanda is great even that showed you that it's different groups like you look at um okay they spoke is caused up badly atrociously but they tried shout out to Africa for giving us like that that smidge of good is closer mama konichi Ume for giving us that but Deadly, atrociously. Um, there's the mountain tribes, which is modeled after the Basoti people. The blankets, the Basoti people, even though there are some crazy jokes about that. But we're going to get to that. Um, there's the um, the people, um, Njobu's people, are modeled after the Shangani people. Also. Mm. So, no longer Shanghai. Shanghai is a bit wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's stuff like that. So there's the understanding that as much as Europe is multifaceted, Africa is more multifaceted. Okay? Still be, still be ignorant. Um, that being said, just move on to the South African mm. because that's where a lot of, like, because South Africa has its own. So. Yeah. 
We're gonna start with that big group of people. It's a ref. We can't all speak your language. Mm. Mm. Most of us do because we live in Johannesburg and that's where most of you come from because of the migration and work and stuff like that. And then you expect us to speak it like you speak it back in your home. Nigga, nah. It's not, it doesn't work like that. Mm. It's just. <laughs> Every day. Yeah. No, but that really is like a serious chat. Like, I know sometimes it's banter and sometimes you can ignore it but like sometimes it's really a problem especially when you take public transportation and public transportation being taxis you know especially in Johannesburg because I mean in in Bloom most of them also too so you don't gotta worry about it and other countries other countries you see this is the problem other (laughs) provinces you know yeah so it is a bit aggressive when I get into a taxi and I speak Sutu and you want to make it a joke because I can't speak your Zulu. Like, dude, relax. You know what I mean? Just chill. Not every day is a ha-ha. You don't know my story. What if I come from fighting people? Here you are with your whack joke because I don't know how to speak Zulu. Yo, my goodness. Don't bore me. There's something somebody mm. said. This person said that Zulu people, for people who are living is Game of Thrones, Zulu people are very annoying. And I haven't been alright ever since. Why? Oh no. Oh no, no, no. No, no, no. The joke. I love it. But, mm. You know? And Zulu people have this thing where they say Zulu people like they eat yeah. awesome. Like, what the hell? Why? Why? Question marks. And Zulu people must know that they're the same people as the Tonga people that they call Amashana. Mm. Okay? Tobit. Mm. Yeah, the same people. Are you good? So, <laughs> Zulu people usually derogatory, you mm. know? Like, why? Tobit. Okay, I'm done. All right. Yeah. Um South African identity we have we also have um Kasi identity. Let me not call it. Yeah, Kasi identity. Mm-hmm. And actually let me say depending on where you live there's a certain identity. So if you're in the suburbs, there's a mm-hmm. there's an identity, you guys folk, dress, act the same. Um the lines are blurring now because Globalization. Mm. Um, when you're in the 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 Okasi, I don't want to call it a township because township sounds so. It does. It does. When you go mm. Kasi, it is another identity, another language, um, another other acts like other ways to act and to you know. And then when you're in a village, is we still. So that um, the vast majority of South Africa is still cool. Mm. Um, there's another way to act, you know. Mm. The X Men like being in the city, but telling us to act like we're in the village. Like, choose, choose one. Can't be all of these. Remember what the X Men? Yes, the X Men. <laughs> okay. 
Um, I think you know, you know, you know what we're talking about because <laughs> they always say, no, you said, you know, and you're just like, uh, hold on a damn minute, hold on. Mm. I've never been to a village in my life, so you can't expect me to act like that, mm. you know. And they, my 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 fatal flaw is that I'm very attracted to insignificant, very attracted. Mm-hmm. That's my fatal flaw. Mm-hmm. So, what do you think about South African identity? Identity, yeah, according to like where you live. What do you mean? What do I think about it? It's like. What are your thoughts about it? Because, like I said, like suburbs, mm-hmm. Gazi, village. Oh, like that. Different. Yeah. Um, I think also we mustn't forget provincial identities. Do you know what I mean? Because you can tell when someone's from Free State. Yeah, I understand what I'm saying. No shade. The poor Free State. You know what I mean? Shame, man. Let me say, you can tell when someone's from Western Cape. You know what I mean? Uh, but specifically. No, you can tell when someone's from AZN or East Cape. <laughs> Yeah, so uh, I guess like how I feel about it, I think, I mean, you know, actually, let me say, as a black South African, you know, a lot of the time, it depends how your parents worked, you know, but a lot of the time, we have the opportunity to experience all these types of South African identities. So for example, we went to a school that had different cultures, you know, and on top of that, I have some family that are still Kokasi. So I have, I've had that experience. You know, some people may still have family in the villages. So they have that experience. So I think that all those different types of experiences can influence our identity. But I think, yeah, like the one that you're saying, like the suburbs, you can tell when someone's from the suburbs. Uh, but I think because as a Black person, you may probably have contact with different types of South African identities. It kind of influences your identity regardless where you stay. Because sometimes, you know, you can take me out of the ghetto, but you can't take the ghetto out of me. You know what I mean? So, yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's my thoughts. Yeah, no, no difference. But um, I like how there's, like, everybody's intermingling now, like, there's no longer that, you know, like, oh, you're from the Gassi. Like, people are just like, oh, you're from the Gassi. That's great, though. Because people from the Gassi probably live better lives than some people who live in the suburbs do, you know? People from the villages probably also live better lives than people from the Gassi or suburbs, you know? It's just, we should stop projecting our thoughts on people and assuming who they are because of where they Except come. for people that come from Val and Bloemfontein. Yeah, no. Yeah, and no. We're here now. Yeah, no. Jokes. Don't worry about the Game of Throners, okay? Stobies. Mm-hmm. Yo, they give me so much, like... Wait, do those people really love this game of Killer, Thrones? Let's move, let's move, let's move. <laughs> okay. Um so um this last one is also part of South African identity. Mm. But it has 
we're going to talk about it's going to be it's going to be quite lengthy um it's the role of the role that sexism racism toxic masculinity and femininity politics finances and sexuality have on one's identity and i'm not we're not saying this because we know everything because also we're two number one we're heterosexual females heterosexual cisgender female i don't know about you but i am um um we're we're pretty privileged like um we have more privilege than other people um so we're just going to talk from our point of view um we're not going to we're going to also talk about how we've seen other people introduce it because of experience and how actually some of these things are um and make better people and yeah so in uh, for me let me just get my essay out and then you know, not you, not you making a whole I, essay, bro. Why don't you tell me? No, it's not an essay oh. like that. It's just what I have mm. to say. Um, I think, um, with sexism, we already know that sexism is a very big part. Um, with with South Africa, we have BEE, which puts the black um female to be empowered first like black it's an intersectionality black previously disadvantaged um may disabled if disabled if um that's a thing if the person is disabled let me not say if that's a thing that's so wrong so a black female who is disabled will get into the workplace first but that being said most workplaces don't even cater correctly for people who are disabled they black women get paid the bottom of the of the barrel barrel number one is the white man number last is the black woman but there's that um also with sexism um women especially with black women we're hyper sexualized and then when we do claim our sexuality it's like hold on damn minute, what are you doing you know and this is not just being done by white people it's being done by black men also so what do you want from us you you want to sexualize us again without our consent and then when we do do these things with our consent y'all have a problem with it like make up your damn mind with racism hmm racism we we see it especially the our alma and our alma mater a lot of things haven't been solved i think because of racism but let's not even talk about that because people are going to say oh y'all are being very political of course of course we are because this is our mm. life these are things that are happening to us you know um toxic masculinity and femininity. um but the toxic masculinity, we understand that it's where men are supposed to act a certain way that does not show weakness. And toxic femininity, on the other hand, I believe, is when 
women are too feminine, too emotional, too much, so much so they're so feminine that it's to their own detriment. Mm. You know, like, oh, I'm not gonna work because I'm a woman. I'm not gonna do that job because I'm a woman. I should wear certain. I should dress like this because I'm a woman. That's toxic because it's to your own detriment. Like, you should be able to wear whatever you want. You should be able to date whoever you want. You should be able to live wherever you want. You should be able to do what you want because you're human with rights. Politics. Yay! Especially in South Africa. That affects us so much because our political, the political top dogs refuse to step down and they keep abusing their power. And we know at the next elections it's going to be people are gonna die i'm telling you this now people are gonna die because every election there are people dying it's mostly people from the game of thrones but you know people usually die um our government doesn't get scared enough like even when their numbers went down they weren't scared enough to be like wait we should actually be reforming ourselves we should be serving people uh but all they live to do is tell us about the struggle Guess what? The people who were in the struggle are starting to die because they're phasing out. The new people that are actually living in South Africa are people post the struggle. People who are seeing that you're you're um, exposing us to a different kind of struggle where we have to fight with people in a democracy. People who are supposed to work towards the betterment of the people but are acting like the power that they say they overtook. You know? Um, finances, finances, um, finances play a big thing because most South Africans, most South Africans don't, don't make a lot of money, but um, we make it work. And when you live in a family where they've been making things work, you want better for them. So sometimes you just give up what you were taught, you in essence, who you are, just to attain that, um, create a different identity for yourself. And even those people that have finances, they make it a point that um, I'm, I'm not against you living your, mon- your life with your best money and everything like that. It's just when you're tone deaf, like you can't read the room as to what is happening in your country and you just want to flaunt your wealth. You know you have money, but... Sometimes you have to read the rules to what's happening. Because I swear to God, some of these people with money just come about to flex at the wrong time, you know? Like, they'll just be like, oh, so Ranta Iwile, more people are being unemployed? I just bought a Bentley. Like, okay. Congratulations, but read the rule. Um, sexuality. Sexuality is the rough one. It's as much as South Africa is accepting and get married in the LGBT, like legally, um, lots of people are still being killed because of their sexuality. Um, we just had that endowment with another podcaster. Um, every year, the list grows longer where people, this correctional rape, the corrective, corrective? I think it's corrective. But, you know, like, they're trying to, you're not supposed to be gay, you're supposed to be straight. And every single year, we add more people 
for being attacked, people, lots of people being killed just because they don't, they're not what you want them to be. Mm. And I hate that. Mm. Also, being a woman in South Africa. It's just the bottom. Mm. And that being said, you, you in South Africa, you kind of just, our identities just are so jagged. There, there's no smooth identity. Like, your, your identity just has to be, like, packed, have crevices to, to accommodate for such, for these things. And just when you think that, okay, that's great, it changes up again, and then you have to, so, like, the South African identity is so multifaceted, so it's one built on fear, it's one built with tears, it's one built with violence, it's one built with, it's just, it's so, it's such a difficult identity, mm -hmm. but I love that as a, as we still care about this, there's no point in mm -hmm. wallowing. So, I've said my essay. Jeez. <laughs> yeah, no. Um, yeah, facts. You know what I mean? But I think that, because the way that I view things, because I get what you're saying and some of the points, right? But I'm somebody that, and I, not to make it seem like I'm the staple and people should think like me, but I really believe that we should be accepting of how people view things, right? So, for example, with the toxic femininity that you said of, like, a woman being like, oh, I want to dress like this because that's how girls dress. I feel like, you know, we should be accepting of people that live like that, right? But the problem comes in is that a lot of the time, these people that, for example, patriarchs, right? A lot of the time, these people are very forceful of their beliefs onto other people. And it's like, it's cool for you to identify with the fact that you believe in patriarchy and, or you know what I mean, all these things. It's great for you to identify like that. But the problem comes in when you are forcing me to think like you or forcing me to live like you. And it's just like, bruh, I don't know. Actually, there probably is a source, but this thing of people feeling entitled over other people is just needs to stop because that's where I think with the sexuality um, or the fact that black women are hypersexualized. But I also think, also I wanted to say, <laughs> is that I think all the things that you mentioned, I think a lot of people in Africa or a lot of black people, let me say, but more specifically in Africa can really identify it with because all these things that you have said are not just a problem in South Africa, but it's an Africa problem. Whenever you look at an African country, you see that if it's not a dictatorship, it is the politics, the, the corruption, it's a mess. You see that people in the uh, queer community, they can't be themselves. You know what I mean? So it's a thing of like, I don't know, because I don't like forcing people to think a specific way, but it's a thing of like, bruh, just don't, like, you don't have to impose your thoughts like that. You can discuss with someone and say that I believe in this thing without making it seem like the way they live in their life is a sin or it's wrong. You get what I mean? 
so yeah but i don't have like a breakdown of like why you know it's a problem in this country because every time i think about these things i just get so angry because there's no need for us to be thinking like this but then i always come back to the thing of that number one we all have our own journeys we all have different experiences um and so all those things not only do they shape our identity but it also shapes our mindset and sometimes not to sound pessimistic or like i've given up hope but sometimes like it's really difficult to change somebody's mindset especially when it's so ingrained in society and the way that we live here in south africa because honestly personally like it's so tiring being a black woman in south africa or just you know just in general a woman in south africa you get me but also on the same page you can't give up on that because especially if excuse me you want to have children you know what i mean you have to fight for the next generation and unfortunately the generation before us it seems like they're not fighting it seems like to be honest like I don't know man like I just feel like what's going to happen when all these people that are in government die who are they who who's going to take the reins because there's nobody that's young that's in the government that can do something about it or can bridge the gap because we're going to fall apart Ugh. stressful we're already like to fall apart already. yeah covid just like put a micro like a big microscope and everything mm. And our leaders aren't even working better. Like in these next elections, like who do you even vote for, dog? Like who? Who do you vote for? But you know, to be honest, I think that as South Africans, we're actually quite lucky compared to our other African counterparts yeah. because we actually do have freedom to a certain extent. to be able to openly talk about these things like the problems in our countries and put them on such a platform whereas in other african countries you cannot do that you won't you can't you won't mm-hmm. do that you don't even think about it you know what i mean you you even probably scared to talk about these things with your peers do you know what i mean mm-hmm. and so that's also what frustrates me about this country is that yes we have problems and yes we're very racist and xenophobic and all these things right but i feel like we've been given such a head start to be a proper a proper country not necessarily proper meaning a first world country but there's no need for people to be living in poverty there absolutely is no need mm-hmm. cuz in other african countries you can understand that no okay shop fairy they have a dictator as president you know what i mean so yeah man it's just stressful It's just stressful. Yeah. It ne- like yeah. The the African identity. The African identity. It's it's a lot. Like it's heavy. It's it's heavy this thing. Is you know. Um. Ooh, can I interrupt your thoughts? Yeah. I was just thinking like right now that like imagine the like what we're experiencing right now as like Africans or South Africans 
about like our identity and you know the problems within our countries like, like can you imagine the like black african americans the americans i mean the americans the black africans in brazil like you see all these places where the slaves were at like can just imagine like what they're going through because they first of all probably don't know where in africa they come from you know what i mean and so you can just imagine the confusion that they have. They probably still feel, they pro- no, not probably, they still feel like they probably don't belong in the countries that they're in because the countries that I just mentioned right now are very racist to black people, you know? So I can just imagine what they're going through. At least here in Africa, we know we are Africans and we know, yeah, I'm South African or nah, I'm Nigerian or, you know what I mean? So yeah, it's that for them though, worse. Because I think knowing where you come from really does contribute to who you are. And also that the conflict that we have with African-Americans, it just bores me. Ugh. Yeah, no. It just bores me. And you want to talk about that because it's always, ugly things are always said when there's conflict between African-Americans and Africans. Like the ugliest things are always said the biggest one being about Americans not, not knowing who they are. And I'm just like, the thing is, it's not their fault. Mm. And they have made the best of the situation that they're in by building their own identity, their own kind of black, you know? Even though America is so imperialist that it tries to, to, to impose itself on everything, and that's where... um other like other black people just take America at arm's length because of how imposing it seems like American culture is. So that conflict is not something that I think we want to go into because it's a very, very ugly one that is actually very not kind of not stupid. It's just white people. Yeah. <laughs> that really is the conclusion. It really is. But do you think that, even though I didn't want to do this, we'll do this for another uh, video, but not video uh, episode, but like I was thinking after my rabbit hole yesterday, I was like, we probably would have, like, still have the same problems that we have in Africa, even if like white people didn't colonize us. Because when you look into the history of Africa, we had patriarchy. There was sexism. There was toxicness. Do you know what I mean? And so, like, what do you think? Let me not go on a tangent. Um, we... Be- because yeah, we... people think that Africa is just like a country where all living together, we're holding hands. Do you know what I mean? Like we're singing or... Uh, you know what I mean like Africa wasn't like that there were people that there was war between cultures to get land but I think the thing with the reason why it's different with white people is that white people came and took you know Africans we had a structure we had a system you know what I mean there was there was things yes sorry in Africa there wasn't war over territory because there was so much of it like Mm. it was mostly war over assets. So gold, slaves, 
um that was basically basically what the what the war was about mm-hmm. like what wars were about um the people that were having war over land are the europeans because europe is like it's a snake there's no space and in 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 africa previously if you didn't if you no longer felt allegiance to your king you could up and leave and move to another place you know and give your allegiance to someone Mm. else right now because of white people they've squashed people who were previously enemies into one place and they've had to they did the most. They did the most. They drew straight lines in mm-hmm. Africa. Like, there's no country, there's no continent on this planet that has countries with straight, straight lines except for Africa because some Yan Pirivit came here and was like, it's in line mm-hmm. with the ruler here. Namibia is so weirdly shaped because this guy had a boat and he wanted to, to keep the boat on the, on the river. So, Namibia is cut the I think it's the Isle of Capri. Mm-hmm. It, it literally it's like it's like it's a little on the map just so that the water can be docked on the Zambezi River. Can we talk about how some countries there's this country, um the Zambia. They buy Senegal. Mm-hmm. Um the country is from in, in its width, okay, okay, let me not say width. Lengthwise, it's about, but it's, okay, okay. Across, mm. <laughs> that's where the bulk of the country is. Mm. But top to bottom, mm. is not even, Johannesburg is huge in comparison to that country's top to bottom. And I'm just like, yeah. Niggas landlocked some country like Africa has a lot of landlocked countries because of that mm. you know so I'm tired it's really stressful it really is stressful and they expect they expect people to be peaceful and happy with their system do you know what I mean they're so annoying man <laughs> Britain literally gave in 1940 Mang mm. after World War II they literally told um, the, the Zionists which was a group of Israeli people not Israeli they're Israeli now Jewish people and they were like look you can go claim land there doing what? misplacing millions of Palestinian people those people to this day to this day me, I'm tired. I, it's so annoying because a lot of the time, you know, when people talk about problems that Africa has or, you know, what's it called, the Middle East has, they make it seem like we can jerk these problems up ourselves. You know, it's like, okay, guys, just stop playing the victim, okay? Like, yes, there's a point where we do need to stop playing the victim and, you know, do something about our problems. But for you, the person who cause these problems for you to sit there and be like okay guys like let's just work through this no 
No, bro. We're in the situation because of you and your friends. Because, because you guys saw uh, Africa and you guys decided to be like, okay, guys, let's just stop the wars that we have between one another and let's just divide this continent the way we see fit. And then after that, when you realize that the, the people, the native people on that cut on those, uh, what is it? On the continent, let me just say as a whole, decided that they're not dealing with this anymore. When you've decided that you've taken enough from the continent, that's when you're like, okay, you know what, guys? Since you guys are fighting so bad for your independence, here you go. Here's your independence. Now we must figure out. We've, we've lost so much of our ancestry of how we actually used to live. Now we have to figure out. On top of that, you were living with people that were either enemies or, you know what I mean, language barriers. On top of, like, there's so many issues that they just came and made and left. And now it's Africa's problem. Make me so upset. So, we have to do closing remarks. In closing, identity is... Identity can be very beautiful. Um, and But that doesn't mean that just because something is beautiful doesn't mean it's not destructive. Um, that's another thing that we should realize. Um, and just because an identity is ugly, quote unquote, because blow it. Um, just because you you feel an identity is ugly, does not mean that that identity is destructive. You know? Um, I think we should use our identity for good. Um, and also, identity does not stand still. You know. It has to change. It has to go through change. Otherwise, you fail. Those are my closing remarks. Um, on my side, you are what you want to be. You're the one that creates your identity. You're the one that creates your reality. And yeah, just be whoever you want to be without imposing on other people, without being judgmental to how other people go about their business how they live their lives and yeah just be open also I think that's really great I think that's really cute and yeah that's my closing thought that's my final things I hope that you guys enjoyed this episode hope it wasn't too deep I actually hope it was enough for you to start thinking um but I hope that you had fun I hope you learned a lot we did well i did when we were preparing for this and we'll see you guys in the next episode we love you <laughs> bye, bye. we love them because they love us yes so, with that we say